My name's Dave. I'm one of the uh, pastors here. And uh, it's my privilege and my, uh, my joy to be able to open up the Bible this morning and to share uh, some things from it. Um, those of you who've been around for the last few weeks will know that we've been uh, exploring the resurrection, looking at some words in 1 Corinthians that Paul wrote to the church there. We're actually taking a pause from that for one week only. We'll be coming back, back to that next week. But for today, uh, as a leadership team, as an eldership team, we believe that it is right to take stock of things every once in a while. And we are setting aside today, and the plan is to sort of make this a, an annual part of our church calendar. We want to take today to celebrate all all that God has done through the giving of this church family and also to renew our giving. What does that mean? Well, essentially, it means that we're asking everyone who is part of this church family, everyone who would consider this home, uh, whether you've been here for years and years and years or whether you are uh, new to the church family, but for everyone who considers this to be their home, to be this, this to be their church family, to ask God uh, and to take stock of where we are up to and where we're at with our giving. That means that this morning I am speaking about uh, money and giving. And uh, according to surveys that were done uh, last year, that is the second most unpopular thing for a preacher to talk about in church. So I guess you should just be really grateful to me that I'm not talking to you about sex. <laughs> Why is giving and money an awkward thing for us to talk about? Well, Jesus understood it when he said that where our treasure is, there our heart will lie also. He understands that there's something personal about our money. There's something that, that, that can capture us. And sometimes that can be a, a deeply unhealthy, idolatry kind of thing. It doesn't have to be for money to be personal. It doesn't have to be for money to be something that matters to us. So for all of us who have a penny or who have billions of pounds, and I doubt there are people who fit into either extreme in the room here this morning, for all of us, we need to recognize that money and our wealth and our finance and what's in our bank account or in our wallet matters. It's important to us and it's important to God. So it's good to take stock every once in a while. You'll notice on your seats or near you, uh, there'll be this little, little leaflet. It's called Turning Vision into Reality, Celebrating and Renewing Our Giving. And what it does is it shares uh, some, some good news. It shares some stories and some, some facts and some figures about what we've been able to do as a church family as a result of the money that's been given so generously by yourselves and by other people. It's got some breakdowns of how that money's been able to be used, some breakdowns of how we plan to use money in the future. And it also gives some encouragements and some information about how you can share how it is that you can give. If, you want that, if you're listening online or if you want to be able to follow that up in an electronic way, you can also go to goldhill.org slash give, which gives some similar ideas and information. So that's where you can find out about what's going on here, but that's not what I want to do this morning. What I want to do this morning is to take some time to unpack some words from scripture that give us, really, this is going to be a sermon in two parts. The first part will be around why it is that we should give, why it is that we as Christians are called to give to the work that God is doing. And the second part will be about how we should give, what instructions and guidance God gives to us in the manner of our giving. It's actually from the second letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. So after the one that we've been exploring where he talks about the resurrection, in 2 Corinthians and in chapter 8 is where he talks to them about their giving. 
2 Corinthians 8, for those who want to follow along. And just as a bit of uh, background, what had happened was the church in Jerusalem was going through a particularly difficult time with persecution and struggling for resource and struggling in lots of different ways. And so to bless them and to honor them and to help them, the apostles uh, spoke to a number of different churches and said, look, our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem are struggling. What can you give? How can you give something that you have in order to bless them in their time of need? And so this gave Paul an opportunity to speak to them about the way that they should give. We'll see that he starts off by, by pointing them to an example of a church that is doing this in a really wonderful way, which gives some beautiful pictures of why it is that giving is such a good thing to do. And then he, and then he talks about their own giving. So let's look in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and I'm going to read it in a few chunks because I think there are five reasons that Paul gives why giving is an important thing for a Christian to be doing. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting at the beginning. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their own ability. I want to pause there for a moment. There's a really strange phrase in there. Did you notice it? Paul says that their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Their poverty combined with their joy, produced generosity. It's a strange equation, isn't it? We wouldn't expect generosity to come after the equal sign, when before the equal sign is something plus poverty. Surely someone who is struggling, or a church that is struggling to make ends meet, how can that produce generosity? Well, Paul starts by talking about these Macedonian churches, and he says, I want you to know about the grace of God that has been given to them. See, everything I'm talking about this morning and everything about our finances and about our giving is only ever a response to the grace that God has given us. I want to be really clear about this. This is, you, you may hear me say a few times this morning, we should do this or we ought to do that. Maybe try, try, try and correct me if I do that. Really, this should be about, we get to do this. We are privileged to do that. God poured out his grace on the Macedonian church. He's poured out his grace on all people, on all churches. What's that grace? It's that unearned gift, that undeserved love and gift and freedom and forgiveness, that thing that we did not deserve being given to us. And the Macedonians have so received that grace and that gift that they want to give back. They want to respond to it in some way. This, this unearned free gift that they've been given, they want to express their love for it, for the, 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 their love for the one who gave it. And they want to express that by doing something, by giving something. Just as God gave freely to them, they want to give freely away to other people. That's the first why for why we should give. Giving is a response to God's grace. That's all it ever is. Money is not about status. Money is not about me being better than you because I have more money or because I'm giving more money. That's not what it is at all. Money is not about security. I'm more secure because I've got more money in the bank than you and you're less secure because you're struggling. That's not what money is about at all. Money is a tool. Money is a resource. 
And like anything given to us by God, it's given freely. No strings attached. The question is, that which we've been given freely, are we willing to give freely away? Giving is a response to God's grace. The second thing, as Paul carries on, is that giving is a participation in God's work. Let's carry on from partway through verse 3, continuing talking about the Macedonians. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had made, earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. He's talking about the Macedonians, and he says they were begging, they were pleading with Paul and with the other apostles that they would be able to give this so that they could, what does he say? Share in the service to the Lord's people. The Macedonians want to give. They want to be able to give financially. Why? So that they can say, we're part of what you're doing. So that they can say, this ministry that's happening completely somewhere else, this ministry that's happening for people we'll never meet, we want to be part of that. We want that to be part of us. We want to partner with that. We want to participate in what's going on. There's a few different uh, places that money from my bank account goes every single month. Uh, one example is uh, gas and electricity companies. I give to British Gas. Uh, why? Because I want gas and electricity. I don't want them to stop and I don't want to end up uh, getting caught short. I'll be honest, there's not a lot of deep affection between me and British Gas. It's a very functional relationship. I give them money so that they give me electricity and gas. Another place that my money goes every week, I subscribe to Netflix. Netflix, an online streaming for film and television, I'm sure a lot of you use it as well. There's a little bit more affection there. I like Netflix more than I like British Gas. Why? Because sitting down to watch a TV show on Netflix makes me happier than being able to switch on a light switch and paying money for the privilege. I enjoy it more. There's, there, there's more to it. But do I have a great sense of participation in the work of Netflix? No. Occasionally, for, uh, we, we as people might give to charities. We see a good cause. We see a need. We see something going on. We're watching children in need, or we, 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 we hear of a great organization through which God is doing amazing work, either near to us or further away from us. And we think, yeah, I, I, I want to give to that because it's doing something that's good. But by and large, this isn't always the case, but by and large, when we give to a charity, I'm giving to them so that they can just do it. I don't plan on getting involved in the work that they're doing. I'm going to give to it, and then they will conduct the things that I think are good. That's, that is participating in their work. That is sharing in the work that they're doing. But what Paul is talking about is that, but even more. Because what Paul is talking about, about these Macedonian believers, is not that they just gave money to the apostles or to the Jerusalem church so that they could back off and not have to do anything. Because in the words that Stuart drew our attention to earlier on, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. This is not just them giving their finance so that they can keep themselves back. This is them giving the whole of themselves so that the whole of themselves might share and participate in the work that God is doing. We've got lots of facts and figures on here, and one of the facts and figures that's on this leaflet is to do with the staff costs. Due to your generosity, those of you who give to this church family, I draw a salary. 
But I hate to break it to you. You don't pay me and my colleagues so that you don't have to do it. We're in this together. This is about us as a church family partnering with God with everything we are, with our time, with our energy, with our resources, and yes, also with our finance. Participation in the ministry is what this is all about. We've set out as a church family to see an increase in the number of people that we can see restored, reached and released by God. That's something that we are setting our mind to and we need to each ask, what's my part in that? What's my part in seeing that happen both through what I give and through what I do? We give because it's a response to God's grace. We give because it's a participation in God's work. The third is, uh, is maybe a little bit more, um, well, I'll read, it. I'll, I'll read it first, from verse 6. Uh, sorry, from verse 7. This is Paul sort of address, turning his mind now to address the Corinthians more directly. He says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commending you, I'm sorry, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Those words at the end, another stunning reminder of the display of God's grace, that he became poor in his son Jesus, so that we might have all the riches of heaven bestowed on us and granted to us. But before that, Paul kind of points out to the Corinthians that you think you're mature. You think that you excel. You excel in, in faith. You've got deep faith in God. You excel in speech. They were very proud of, the, of, of speech, both prophetic speech, speech in tongues. They were proud of the, of the eloquent words that they could use to communicate the gospel. They excel in, in knowledge, in understanding of God. They, they thought that they'd understood the deep mysteries of life. Paul is saying, look, you think you're excellent and mature in so many different ways as believers. Make sure that is matched by your giving. He's saying giving is a mark of Christian maturity. Giving is a mark of a community. If a community of Christians is generous, then it can say that it might be mature in Jesus. If a, if a community of Christians, yeah, they may know their Bible extremely well, they may be uh, prophetic, they may be doing all kinds of amazing, wonderful, miraculous, spirit-filled, God-led, Jesus-centered things. But if they haven't unleashed that generosity, then there is something lacking in their discipleship. There's something lacking in who they are. It demonstrates something of the sincerity of their heart how much they have truly been formed by Jesus. We give yes as a response to God's grace. Yes, because it is us participating in God's work. But also because giving is a mark of our maturity as Christians. Giving and the degree to which we are able and willing to be generous is a mark of how deeply we have responded to what God has done in us. And then Paul carries on and he keeps on addressing the Corinthians in verse 10, and here is my judgment about what's best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work 
so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. This is the fourth reason, is that we give because it shows the sincerity of our heart. Paul is saying, look, a year ago I heard this report that when you were presented with this need about the Jerusalem church, you were the very first people to say, oh, there's a need, let us help. I want to do something about that. Let's, let's give, let's raise some money, let's, let's send it their way. But they haven't done anything about it. They haven't actually given anything. They haven't actually gathered that resource. They haven't given it to the apostles to give to the Jerusalem church. Paul is preparing them for a visit where a man called Titus is going to come. And he, he wants basically, by the time Titus gets there, for the, for the people to have followed through on what they said they were going to do. It's all very well having an intent to do something. It's all very well having an intent to be generous. But unless we actually are, it doesn't count for much. We were thinking earlier in the year, weren't we, about what it means to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus. And we were thinking about our heads, our hearts and our hands, about the whole of ourselves, Not just what we know and not just what we, what we believe and what we want, but also what we do to be in line with what God is calling us to. That needs to be true with our giving as well. Just because I watch a lot of MasterChef doesn't make me a good cook. Just because I watch... I don't know, um, the news doesn't make me, uh, doesn't mean I'm actually making a difference in any of the particular stories that I might hear about in the news. Just because I've understood something doesn't mean I'm actually doing it. We're called not just to be academic Christians who understand generosity, but to be active Christians who are generous. Paul is wanting to protect the Corinthians from, from being insincere, from saying one thing and doing another. He said, look, you set out to give. Now follow through and give. Later on, I'll talk about how we give and the, the sort of thrust is, is we give according to what God's asked us to. If we believe that God's asked us to do something, we have a desire to do it, but we don't do it. That's called disobedience. Paul wants to protect the Corinthians from that, and we need to make sure that we protect our own hearts from being in that place. And finally, in this passage, Paul, Paul, Paul carries on in verse 13 and says, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it's written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Solidarity and participation, yes, in what God is doing, but also with their fellow brothers and sisters. We give because we can. We give because we can, and sometimes others can't. As Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are all part of one family. We're all part of one mission and purpose and kingdom. That's true whether we're badged as Gold Hill Baptist Church or whether we're um, Chavons and Peter Parish Church or St. James or St. Joseph's or another church or a church in a different country. We are all part of one thing. Paul is saying, look, we're not asking for you to give so that you end up, you know, oppressed and, uh, and, and hard-pressed and you're really struggling, but another church is, is booming and, and, and doing amazingly well. He's saying, look, at the minute we're asking you to give because you have the means to give. And we're asking them to receive because they have the need to receive. 
The truth is, we give because we can. It's an act of solidarity with our fellow brothers and sisters. It's an act of being able to support everything that God wants to do. Why? Simply because we can. So if we are in a position to give, then we can, and we should, and we get to. So we give because it's a response to God's grace, because it's participation in God's work, because it's a mark of maturity as a Christian, because it shows the sincerity of following through on our decisions, and it's an act of solidarity with other brothers and sisters. That's why we should give. These are some great opportunities for us to express to God thanks for his grace and a solidarity and a a partnership in his ministry. These are all great reasons to give. The question, though, is how? Maybe how much? What should I give? This is where we move perhaps from the first part of the sermon, which is all about our hearts and why, through to uh, what J. John refers to as the Sermon on the Amount. I know, it's not mine, it's his. Um, How much should we give? How do we work that out? How do we decide that? Well, I, I, used to be, I used to be quite mathsy. I did maths and further maths A-levels. I quite liked it. And I would really like to be able to give you the equation for you to be able to just sort of put in your own personal situation and it'll come out at the end and that's the amount that you should give. I could do that, but I don't think it'd be right for me to do that because I don't think I'd be, I think I'd just be making it up. If we look ahead a little bit, In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just want to read verses 6 and 7. And here are three hows for how we should give. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. How should we give? We should give generously. We should give obediently to what God has asked us to, and we should give cheerfully, generously. Paul says, look, the person who who sows sparingly reaps sparingly, which is fair enough. If you don't put much seed in the ground, you can't expect much crop to come out. The one who puts loads of seed in the ground can expect there to be a great harvest. He's saying, if you want to see that harvest, if you want to see me doing more and more things, I'm asking you to invest in that. You need to be generous in doing that so that you can see, so that you can be part of more and more and more things happening. There, there is so much to give God thanks for, for the things that have been done through the ministry of this church, through the ministry of every member in this church. There is so much more that we want to see God doing. And he asks us to sow into that. He asks us to give into that with our time, with our energy, with our efforts, and yes, with our finances. I believe it is right and it is biblical, and I believe that every believer should be giving to their local church, should be giving to the church that they consider their home and through whom they are most solidly partnering and working with for the building up of God's kingdom. I think that's something we should all be doing, and God wants us to do it generously. And generosity is an attitude, but generosity is also an amount. Let's, let's be honest, if, if we have billions and billions of pounds and we put a tenner in the offering every week, we may think we're doing that with a generous heart, but it's not generous. Paul's talked a couple of times about people giving within their means and around their means. God knows how much we have in the bank account. He's not asking us to bankrupt ourselves. 
but he is asking us to be generous. So how much does that mean? Well, like I said, I can't tell you why. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. The amount that you're meant to be giving is between you and God to discern. I can't tell you what that is. I can't tell you what it is either as an amount or as a percentage of what you have. What I can say is that you need to go to God and ask that question and then be willing to be obedient to what he asks. It may be that as that happens, there are people in this church family who are, who are, who are currently, for whatever reason, not giving, who are, who, are, who are led to start giving. It might be that there are people who are currently giving who are led to give more. It might be there are people who are currently giving who are actually called to give less. All of that is fine. All of that is okay. Why? Because if every single person who's part of this church family gives exactly what God is asking them to, then what's going to happen? We're going to have exactly the amount of money that God wants us to have. And that is a safe place to be. That's a comforting place to be. It requires all of us to be faithful in our own part so that as a whole we can be faithful in our whole part. There's the, in the Old Testament, there's the principle of tithes and offerings where the people would take 10% of everything they have and everything they get, and they would, they would give it back, back to God. They would give it to, through the priests and through the temple, they would give it to God. But th that was the tithes, that was the 10% bit. And then there were the offerings. The offerings was a, were the kind of the bit on top. Because uh, at, at particular times in your life, when a particular thing happened, there was a, as, as a gratefulness to God, you would give on top of your 10% an extra offering. There are, there are churches that still implement that as a very, very sort of clear policy. There are churches, we're not one of them, I'm glad that we're not, but there are churches that would, where, where, where the, one of the pastors or one of the elders would sit down with you, would ask to see your pay slips, would ask to understand how much money is coming into your account, would then work out what your tithe needs to be, and then would then, and would then take it from you each month. And on top of that, uh, whenever something particular happens in your life, there'd be an expectation that, mm, okay, in, in recognition to God, I think you should be giving an offering on top of that. I don't think that's the right way to lead. I don't believe that's the biblical way to be leading. In fact, there are, there are churches where you'll have two offering bags go round during the, during the time. My parents were, went to visit a church once and, and the offering was taken and no one explained what was going on. The offering bag went round and people were putting money in and then they thought, okay, that, that's fine, we've, we've, we've put some. And then they came round again and nobody explained that one either. And they asked someone after, afterwards, what was going on? Did, did, did you actually take the offering twice? And what had happened was they sent the bags around once for people's tithes, that people could give 10% of what they've, what they've earned or what they've received that month. And then after that, they would send the offering bag around again so that people could give their over-the-top expressions of thanks to God gifts. I don't think that's the best way to do things. <laughs> it's fine. But I think particularly in a digital age where a lot of things are done by standing order and direct debit, people's tithes and people's offerings are both going to look very ungenerous when we rely on the offering bag. It's a good thing for us to be able to do on a Sunday as part of our worship to God. But the truth is most of it's going to happen in other ways. But that principle of tithes and offerings, I can't stand here and say that is what every Christian should do. Why? Because that was something that was given under the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law, to complete the law. He didn't come to get rid of it, but he did come to sort of surpass it and to transcend it and to, to bring us something newer, to bring us grace and freedom, to bring us complete access to God. 
So I can't say that tithing is a Christian principle. What I can say is that the people who had received the law were asked to tithe. It was an expectation of them. When we, who have received more, who have received grace, who have received complete freedom and access to God, who have, com- who have received salvation and forgiveness and redemption and the gift of the Holy Spirit, when we, who have received even more than they had when they were called to tithe, why would we choose to do less? I don't believe that I can tell you that tithing is absolutely the principle by which you should give. But I would ask, how can you be generous? And if for you generosity looks like less than a tithe, then that's between you and God. I suspect for for many or most of us, it's going to look something like that or something on top of that. Again, that's between you and God. And we are asking for every person in this church family to go and spend some time seeking God and asking him for what it is that they want him to do. So we give generously, we give obediently to what God has asked. And finally, God loves a cheerful giver. I hope this hasn't been heavy. I hope this hasn't been difficult or awkward or painful to think about our finances in church. But the truth is, God loves us to be cheerful. God loves us to to give, not as an act of, oh, I ought to do this, or Dave's told me that I need to go and think about it. But God loves it when we are so aware of his grace and his love poured out to us that all we want to do is give back to him. All we want to do is give ourselves to him. And I'm not just talking about money now. I'm talking about every single part of who we are. We want to give him our time. We want to give him our energy. We want to give him the very best of who we are. And yes, we want to give him from our finances as well, to recognize that he has given us everything. And so the question is less, how much am I going to give back? But how much am I going to keep for myself? How much of what God has given me am I going to choose not to give? These are some of the ways that we can think about it. And none of this is meant to be compulsion. None of this is meant to be condemnation. We are free. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There is complete freedom and liberty. So that's our call this morning, is to ask God, what do you want me to do? How would you like me to respond to that? It may be that, the, uh, that some of the things in here would be good for you to reflect on and to think about. There's a prayer at the end of it, which I would like to pray. And I would like to ask, in fact, it's, it's under a title that says, are you able to pray this prayer with us? I'm going to pray it in a moment. And ask that God would give us all the ability to say a hearty amen to it. Just before I do, Stephen Walker-Williams is going to be speaking tonight in our evening service. And he's going to be asking the question, what does God do when we give? How is it that God takes the gifts that we've given and uses them and multiplies them? I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's going to be amazing and inspiring. Whether whether or not you usually come to our evening service, that might be something that you want to uh, make time for this evening. This is a prayer that I would pray that each of us would be able to pray more and more and more. Father God, we thank you for the abundance which we are free to enjoy in our own communities and lives. Thank you for reaching and restoring each of us and releasing us to be your ambassadors for Jesus in all the places we find ourselves during the week. Please help us to release not only our time and talents but our financial resource as you lead us to equip and enable all you have planned for Gold Hill as a church family. 
Would you help us to be ambitious for you and equally generous for you? We acknowledge that all we have is yours and we willingly place all we have at your disposal to equip us in our lives and in ministry and mission. Amen.